What will you do to unlock innovation? In today's fast-paced world, innovation might not be enough. Tomorrow's pioneers of change will need to be agile, able to adapt, and committed like never before. Your host, Santa Vending, invites you to listen in and join business leaders from around the world as they share their visions for success in our future business challenges. Welcome to Mind the Innovation. I'm your host, Sana Vinding. I'm always excited to learn. And in today's podcast, we're going to talk about how to overcome failures and setbacks. Um, I want to welcome Daryl Evans. He's a business growth advisor, investor, and he's also co-founder of Yoga Local Internet Marketing. So uh, welcome, Daryl. I'm, I'm excited to have you on today. Thanks for having me, Sana. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. Yeah. So let, let's jump into it. Um, let's, let's talk about failure and setbacks. Uh, and you actually call it the mind shift method. What, what is that? Yeah. So failures uh, are part of life. They're part of achievement. They're part of growth. And I've always looked at failure as a learning opportunity. Uh, even though in the moment when we fail, it hurts, you know, it hurts. It either hurts our ego. It hurts because we are uh, worried about how we're perceived by our peers, by our family, by our fr friends, coworkers, former business uh, bosses, or whatever the case is. But uh, I've learned over the years that there's a, a methodology to moving through setbacks, failures, or what I like to call breakdowns in route to breakthroughs. And over the years, I've just uh, had a four-step model that I've used, and I keep referencing it back to everything that's happened in my personal life, business life, and everything in between. And I've called it now the mind shift method. And so the first step in the method is to make peace with the facts. And that, that first step has to do with, it's, a, it's an internal acknowledgement. Um, so often we find ourselves blaming circumstances or looking for reasons why something happened. And we can go a little deeper as we go, but the first step is make peace with the facts. Step two is make a new decision based on those facts. You know, it's not what happens to us that really determines our future, determines our destination. It is a moment in time mm -hmm. that will now become old news. And it's up to us to make a new decision about what we're going to do going forward. And that decision is the distinction I like to coach people on is that the word, the, the root word desire, uh, uh, decide, excuse me, has the, the word cut in it, which means we're cutting off any other past options, meaning we're going to make a new decision. We're cutting off options and we're going to make a, a decision to move forward. And so a lot of times that means like drawing a line in the sand about what we're going to do now going forward. Yeah. Uh, so step three, of course, then is the hard part. Once we decide what we're going to do or decide what decision we're going to make to move forward from this setback is to come up with a plan of action. And uh, so making a plan is step three. And this is where a lot of us, um, a lot of times we're still hurt. Our emotions are still a little razzled by whatever it could be in that failure moment. And a lot of times we don't recognize how easy it is to reach out to someone who's been in the same situation, who's moved into a new direction that you may be wanting to go into. Example, yeah. someone's gotten divorced. Is there someone else who's moved through divorce? Sure. Is there someone who flunked out of college? Yeah, there's someone else who flunked out of college. Is there someone else who lost a business? Sure, there is. So you can find someone, a mentor, a coach, a guide, someone who can help you with the plan if you're unable to come up with the plan. And of course, the uh, unfortunately, in step three is where humility 
comes in, right? Yeah. Uh, sometimes we don't like to admit our failures. We don't like to get honest with ourselves. And uh, we're worried about what people are going to say. We just, if we could just lose that ego consciousness, we'll be fine. But step three is make a plan. And you might need some third party help with that. And step four is where all the work comes in, right? Make it happen. Step four yeah. is make it happen. And that is, that is the daily discipline now of doing the little things consistently over a long period of time that will bring you to your new future to your yeah. new destiny, to your new vision or outcome. And uh, that is where things get lost because a lot of times we get excited in the moment because we're really emotional about failure. And if we can't separate our excitement in the moment and then realize that the work has just begun once we decide what the plan is going to be, et cetera. And unfortunately, that's where I see a lot of entrepreneurs and, and just life in general, achievers even, uh, myself, you know, we just yeah. fall off the rails in terms of, of uh, keeping commitments to ourselves. And that is where, you know, we have to really wrestle with ourselves about keeping those commitments to ourselves. Yeah. But I, I think where a lot of people struggles, and I, I can see that in, in, in organizations or in companies, it's, it's also to, to admit that it is a failure, or you can say it's a learning, um, because failure is negative. Um, but, but to admit it, it's so vulnerable, right? To go in there and saying, hey, this is not either not working or we need to find a plan, but to admit that it happened without pointing a finger and saying it was there, it happened in that team. Um, any, any recommendations of, of how to, to build the trust so it's not going to be this blaming game? You know, I guess as, as you state that question, I think of a few things. Uh, when I think of in a corporate environment, for example, uh, I'll go back to something earlier I said, and I left the corporate world uh, decades ago. So I, I can't speak to the inner workings of corporate culture, although I hear it, I can see it, I've got friends in it. Um, I think the number one thing that I could advise a leader to do, an achiever to do, see, I'm, I'm only speaking to people who are leadership minded and achievement minded. I'm not speaking to the average person who's just going to work to get a job, to do what they're told to do, do, as, do it as little as they possibly can so they can get paid uh, every couple of weeks. That's not who I'm speaking to. No, no, no. I'm not trying to get, you know, I'm talking to the leader. So how does a leader survive a failure? How does an achiever deal with the attack? And yeah. that is, it, and this is a really hard statement for some people to get their hands on, but I have to credit this to Jack Canfield, who taught this to me uh, over a decade and a half ago. And that is, it's all your fault. So, what is that? Feel, that feels real heavy, right? When you yeah. <laughs> when you're when you're on a team of leaders, yeah. and someone else didn't do their their job to your left or to your right, yeah. or when you're uh, handed down an assignment, and maybe you have a team. But here's the the, the simple reality: is if we are going to move forward in life, if we're going to move forward in career, in cooperation, in teamwork leaders take responsibility. And so I just think of it as it, well, I remember when I heard that I was sitting in this room with, with, with when he was saying this and I was just like, ah, and, and it, it still has to be reminded of me even um, in my current business ventures, in my current relationships in life and everywhere. It's like, okay, if something's not going our way, can we just take responsibility uh, for our role in the situation, we can't take responsibility for someone else's mistakes, but we got to take our responsibility for, is there something I could have done as a leader yeah. to have ended up with a better outcome? Yeah. And I know that, that, that doesn't sit well. Let me say one other thing about failure to something you said a little bit earlier. I was very fortunate 
and my perspective on failure was shaped by my years playing sports. And, and I don't know if your listeners played sports. It's really irrelevant because I'm sure at some point they've seen a sports game of some sort. Um, but what I learned in sports as a young kid was that we would practice our craft agilities. We'd go to practice, we'd practice plays. We'd, we would get ready for the game, which was the event. Well, the game was one event in a series of events that made up a season, right? If yeah. you think about a football season, a baseball season, a hockey yeah. season, whatever kind of season, tennis season, golf season, it's a season, which means it has a start and an end. And there are numerous events throughout that season. Well, what I've learned is that you can lose a game and still win a championship. You yeah. can lose a golf tournament and still win the PGA Open. So yeah. I was very fortunate to understand that learning was data and feedback. Yeah. So what, what would happen at the end of a game was we would have to show up the next day at, at the coach's office and watch the film of the game so that we could see what we did right and what we did wrong so that we could get prepared to practice better the following week for the next opponent, not to go back and beat the old opponent, no, but no, to no. be prepared yeah. to play the next, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So no, I think I just in understand life- Understand the situation, we, right? What actually happened. Right. Be, yeah. Right. So better. is failure final? No, it's almost never final. There, there's a scenario in our life <laughs> where <laughs> failure is final. But in, in business, it's almost never final and it's almost never fatal. Yeah. Almost never, right? There are a couple of fatal scenarios, but I've lost a business. I've lost two businesses. They, it didn't, the business came to an end, but Daryl didn't come to an end. No. The business came to an end, but Daryl didn't lose his skills. No. The business changed or the industry changed, but Daryl was still here. He was still yeah. healthy. And you so got some experience out was, of it, right? So it's putting in you in much better place. Right. Or, yeah. Right. Yeah. So I just wanted to share that idea that again, going back to failure, it's almost never fit, fit final and it's yeah. almost never fatal. So if we can accept those facts, again, making peace with the facts. Yeah. Okay. What's our new decision now based on that, right? We show up the next time and we're better prepared. We show up now, we know what adjustments need, we, we need to make. Yeah. Um, but it goes back to that comment I said before, which is we've got to be humble enough to say, I screwed up. Yeah, I own this. I screwed up, tough, right? Um, right? It's tough. It, yeah, it is tough, but it's it's necessary. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. It's necessary. It, it is. It is. But but it's it's um to to do it and 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 sit down and saying either you need to ask more questions or you need to to admit it. You need to reflect on it. It sounds easy, right? When you explain it and saying it's four steps, it sounds so easy. But but I'm I'm sure that that's listener out there saying yeah, <laughs> I tried, <laughs> uh, but it's it's not so, easy. Yeah, I like I like to say it this way because again, when you take responsibility, you can beat yourself into a corner and end up depressed. And and I I know what that looks like. So what I am saying is when I say take responsibility and making peace with the facts, yeah. I'm saying make peace with the facts and move on. Right. So let me share with something with your audience that was sort of an origin story for where I came up with this method. And I, of course, didn't name the method at this time, no. but I had a relationship in my twenties and my relationship with my two, I had a relationship in my twenties with him. We had two, ch two children, two boys, and that relationship terminated in 98, 1998 goes back a little bit. Well, she decided to move to another state in the United States, which happened to be uh, originally she was 1300 miles away from where I lived. And of course that posed a new 
uh, challenge for me as a father. How am I going to be present in my children's lives 1,300 miles away? Of yeah. course, all the visitation and all the, all the stuff got worked out, but I was working and I had to now come up with a new, I had new facts. <laughs> I didn't like the facts. I'm going to tell you right now, I didn't like the facts, but I also had to understand that the relationship termination wasn't all on her. I was involved, right? Yeah. So I had to be careful not to talk myself into reasons or excuses. And I'm not saying it was easy. It was not easy. It took about 18 months to really settle into what I was going to do, but I had to make a decision, which was step two. The yeah. decision was, I don't care where they live. I'm going to be present in their lives. I'm going to be a good father. They are going to know who I am in, in, in terms of what I know and what I want to pass down to them. And it doesn't matter where on the planet they go live. Now, I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't know how it was going to work out logistically. I didn't understand how I was going to, at this time, of course, I'm a young entrepreneur starting a business. I don't have you know money at the beginning of it. I'm literally just like, I'll figure it out. And a lot of times, a lot of times, the power of resolution comes in the power of that committed decision. And I remember yeah. getting this from Tony Robbins way back in the day. It's in the moment of your decisions that your destiny is shaped. If you make a decision that is you're committed to, that there's no going back. See, in that moment, I wasn't, I wasn't concerned with anything other than being a great father to those boys, regardless of what the circumstances were, regardless of where they were, regardless of... And so it's funny how 30 years later, 29 years later, I just got back from visiting my granddaughter. My oldest son had their, his wife and his wife had their first baby. And yeah. I have a granddaughter now. And I look at what it took because it was not the decision in 98 or 99. It was the plan. And of course they're eight and two. What is the plan? Well, I can't FaceTime them in 98 and 99 because oh. there was no FaceTime, oh. right? So yeah. there was a telephone, Yeah. but I realized I had, I had to get a hold of her. And then, so, you, but then you just have to go through the work. And that's what, yeah. that's what I mean by the, yeah. the making it happen. Like, what does it take? Uh, and it isn't easy once you no, get no, no. all that in line. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm sure it's also like a whole journey, right, of learnings, because I, mm -hmm. I think we can all reflect back and if, when you learned something or you went through a, a, an episode or something, even if it's personal mm -hmm. or if it's in, you know, in your covered world, you were like later on when you reflect, I do that. I'm like, oh, I should, you know, why didn't I look at it at this angle? Oh, I should have answered in this way, um, which is natural, right, because you are where you are. Um, and I, I think it's important that you, 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 you take time to do this reflection, um, either with yourself or actually with a mentor or, or somebody that you're close by or within your leadership team um, and, and do these kind of reflections because that will actually move you and go to the next level and be a much better leader or person uh, when something similar happen again. Um, That's right. I, yeah, I can see that because I was like, why did I wait four weeks for that? Right. I already had that <laughs> observation maybe in the first week. Um, so when you do yeah. uh, for me for the first time, it, it can take longer. But then when I see something similar or the same occur again, I'm, I'm much faster to, to actually go and saying this is the plan. Now I'm actually making this. Yes. yes, absolutely. Data gives you so much power because you can see things sooner than you could when it was a brand new experience. And if it's in the world of business, if it's in the yeah. world of life, you know, if you've been through something, you get an edge. And that's what, again, where you might need a coach, you might need a guide, you might need someone who's been through what you've been through yeah. and just say, listen, I'm stuck. Like right yeah. now I'm stuck. 
and I probably am not looking at this the right way. I need some perspective, right? Perspective gives you away from the situation and gets you either get you to back up with your eyes or get someone else's eyes who are outside the situation. They say that you can't see the picture when you're inside the frame. It was yeah. one of the most powerful analogies of getting away from the problem and being able to look at it from a perspective, whether it's through your eyes or someone else's eyes. And the, the key though, is you got to be careful whose eyes they are, who, <laughs> who you're looking from, because they could be a person that is, um, you know, wanting to have a pity party. And, and that's what you have to stay away from. So you got to be yeah. careful with whose eyes you're asking to look at the situation. Is it someone who has been through a similar situation who can give you advice or someone who's a 100% neutral to the situation who yeah. can sit it? I think about uh, someone I call, a, he's a friend, he's like a mentor, he's like an advisor. He's like all of those things. And I know anytime I call him about a situation, he's not going to get emotional because we're friends. Yeah, he is going to listen to the information and try to provide perspective. And it isn't just going to come from his point of view. He's going to say, well, have you considered? Yeah, right. Well, you know, and so that's really the key um, with moving through any of this. Yeah. So I, I like that we're saying, you know, you have to start with yourself, but but it also takes that you need to be really good at communicating or collaboration with others to to get through it or the learnings or create a plan together. So um, what, what, are the, what are some of the, the steps you need to, to do when you need to be good at communicating? You know, communicating, I will say, <laughs> I'm going to say good communication with others starts with good dialogue with yourself, right? Okay. I like to say that um, start evaluating the stories you're telling yourself about your own life, right? Um, it's hard for you to be a positive individual to, to other people on your team, people that you're collaborating with, if you're so, if you have self-sabotaging language to yourself, I'm not good enough. I'm not this, I didn't do that. Uh, my past did this and that's made me this way. And so that we all have a past, we all have things that have happened in our lives. And so I think about uh, a couple thoughts. Number one, let's evaluate our self-talk first before we involve ourselves in the world of others, collaboration for projects, or what have you. The second component in, that comes to mind in, in my kind of journey of 20, 30 years of building teams, working on teams, the whole nine yards is really being interested in the other individuals that you are collaborating with, without thinking that they're trying to sabotage you. I just had an experience six months ago, in fact, and I listened to some dialogue going on amongst a team of a, of a pretty successful company, 30 plus million dollar company. My company was brought in for some consulting and advising, whatever the case. And I'm listening to the disorganization of the quote unquote collaboration amongst yeah. a team that is supposed to be close knit. Yeah. And there was, there was this power struggle happening in almost every meeting. And I said to myself, I wonder, so from the outside looking in, I'm thinking, they're concerned with themselves, not the whole, the group as a whole. Yeah. And so I think in terms of collaborating is that, are you just interested in how you're going to look when this project's over? Or are you really trying to say, Hey, let's make sure we, right. We look great. Look, I paid, I played sports. There is somebody who usually gets awarded the most valuable player award, Yeah. but that's not generally the only person who can win the game. Yeah. Right. So the question is, is did we together to, in a collaborative fashion, 
work together to accomplish the goal. I love Stephen Covey's analogy of, um, I, I want to say that Stephen Covey, I hope I'm giving credit where credit's due. And that is, um, um, now, nah, you know what, it's not Stephen Covey, so I'll leave it out of it. But the point is being interested in the outcome of the whole and just not really worried about your role in terms of who gets the credit. And I see this a lot in yeah. especially corporate environments and it's tough because, yeah. you know, someone thinks that if they don't stand out, that they're going to get missed in the promotion, they're going to get missed in the acknowledgement. And, um, again, that goes back to some internal self-talk, I think. Yeah. So, um, just to go to, to the teams, right. Um, I I've seen it with, with some companies that it's the engagement that they're like measuring to see how's the engagement in, in the company or how can we, how can we, um, how can we celebrate that either a team or it's a single person who did really, really great. Um, and, and I have not seen yet, but maybe it, it, I'm sure it's out there, but, but how to, oh, I actually have, but you know, how to celebrate to say, you don't only celebrate success, you actually celebrate and saying, hey, this is how it started. It was actually a failure. And then this, the team actually got it together, you know, asked the right question, created a plan and also executed it. I think it's so important to look to look at that journey and not just look at the end result and saying, oh, yeah, we <laughs> we got, you know, everything is 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 right now, um, mm -hmm. but actually have time to reflect on, on that whole journey. Um, yeah. So I what, think team wins. Yeah. Team celebration is important. Like yeah. it, I, I think team celebration and and calling out people who've done something above and beyond in a situation, calling out someone who has helped find an answer to a problem that was a sticking point in progress, right? And I think you have a healthy and mature team when, um, especially leaders, right? Can yeah. leaders publicly acknowledge, right? Other efforts of team members and can team members by you know, across the team acknowledge other people who helped with a sticking point? And I think that starts at the top, right? Is that, is the senior leader calling out uh, in a positive way or is the senior leader calling out always the negative, right? Yeah. Because you get two types of leaders, leaders who come down and they're driving the heavy pound, heavy fist, and they're quick to, quick to hammer you when you screw up, but are they really quick to celebrate you when you have a breakthrough or when you help the team with the breakthrough? Yeah. And I think great leaders, great leaders, um, acknowledge, um, openly, the successes and actually in converse take the negative matters behind closed doors to me that's what i've been taught that's how i do it i don't yeah. ever reprimand in public it is just yeah. not tolerable right because it makes people less likely to want to speak up yeah. because they feel like oh geez I, if i'm wrong i'm going to get crushed yeah and that's back to the trust as well in the team. So mm -hmm. I also think the the experience, because if somebody says, oh, Santa, you did a really good job, right? I'm like smiling, you know, you're like, I'm growing, I'm taller. <laughs> um, and that, no, but that you get so happy, right? So I'm making sure that I, when I see something great, you know, yeah. say it. Uh, but then yeah. again, if there's anything that's not as great um, and you're saying, hey, you should improve of this, or it could be communicated more negative, um, even though you think business is business, it's not family, business is business, it can still take you down a little bit and you will remember that negative feeling. And then if you 
if it's two weeks later and you were having two people saying something good about you, two people saying something not, not as good, you remember the negative more. Um, and, and I think that's just hum, human being. Uh, yeah. it, it just it, it, it has a bigger space, sadly, that this was something negative about it. So any, yeah. any advice on how to get around that so you can, because you grow more of, of the positive. Or on the you positive. do. Yeah. I think one of the lessons I've learned over the years is that whenever there's a negative situation, whatever the commentary or feedback is being provided, whether that's leader to a team person, teammate or team member to team member, I think the key in communication is to make sure we're communicating about the outcome or the item and not the person. Yeah. And, and sometimes the, sometimes we attack the person yeah. and the person gets their feelings hurt when we really should be just talking about the item, the outcome, right? Yeah. Uh, again, go back to the, to the football example. When we showed up to watch the film on Saturday, it wasn't that any one person was singled out for the loss. It was in this moment, there was an outcome or a, 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 a thing that happened that yeah. we need to address. And here's how we think we can address it better going forward. And I think leaders um, have to be very mindful to comment on the problem and not the person. Yeah. And I think that gets a little, gets a little, gray sometimes, but I think great leaders understand at that level of communication, it's about the problem, not the, uh, the person, you know, think about it. It's easy when you do an annual review or a biannual review to talk about the tasks that yeah. they're responsible for. You completely eliminate the person. You're not thinking about their personality or, you know, it, sure. There's some things in there that may have to do with communication, but it, it's easier when it's a, an opportunity to set and think and reflect. The yeah. problem is in the moment of intensity, right? When, when stuff's on the line that we get a little, uh, personal in our, in our, in our feedback. And yeah. I think that's one of the best things leaders can do is be careful to separate the problem from the person and let's just address the problem. If there's a problem. Yeah. yeah. But I'm, I'm also, it's, it's also okay to be a little bit sensitive about it because that shows your passion about it. So don't, you're not too cold. It is. Yeah. You find a leader who's not passionate. They're probably not a good leader. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I think in that same vein is just this understanding that we have a mission to accomplish and in some way, shape or form, our mission has been compromised by uh, an action that yeah. has led to an outcome that is not either it's not moving us forward or it's allowed us to hit a stumbling block and you pressures mount and, and all of that. Let's be careful to, I just say, let's be mindful to be careful not to attack the person and for the person who's on the team, obviously in their leadership growth to understand that a conversation about a problem is not about you. It's about the process, the, the project, yeah. the outcome. It's about that thing that we're talking about. It's not personal. Some people take things personally, yeah. uh, which is again, another area of, of personal growth that, that each of us have to, to grow through, uh, depending on where we are in our journey. Yeah. So I, I like when you talk about the, the sports before, because then I'll go a little bit personal, right? So a few years ago, my son's playing soccer um, and he was the goalie 
not fun to be a mom and have the, the goalie there, right? And then when they, this the other team then scored, you know, he was sad. Mm-hmm. We got home, and I was like, "It's not your fault, right? It's the team. It, the defense didn't work properly. That's why, you know, it just there's so many steps before that ball actually was in front of him, and then he didn't catch it. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, oh my god, I had many conversations with him. <laughs> Yeah, it's tough. You're right. So when you're singled yeah. out as I played catcher, I played catcher in baseball growing up. Yeah. So I, I understand the idea, right? The ball gets away from the catcher with a runner on third and they score a run is, yeah. you know, it, it, all eyes were on me, right? Yeah. Uh, if you take it on the flip side, a pitcher who's on the mound, they throw the fastball, the guy hits it out of the park. Yeah. And the pitcher is the one soloed out as, hey, that was between you and that guy and that guy got you, right? But you've got to be careful with the internal dialogue because, again, going back to something I said before, is in that moment, it's it's almost never fatal and almost never final. Obviously, if that guy hits the home run in the last inning and it was tied game and they were the home team, yeah, the game is over. But that moment isn't final in terms of the season, of course, unless it's the final game of the World Series. But so yeah. there, the key, though, is that the vast majority of these moments, like your son's moment. Yeah. Uh, there were lots of reasons that could have led to him missing that ball at the goal. And um, especially as children, um, just understanding that there are other things that could have led to that goal being scored. Uh, And a lot of times we don't credit the other team for their preparation, right? Not because of our failure, but because they were better prepared. Yeah. See that, that situation could have been that they were just better prepared. You know, it doesn't mean that we didn't work hard. No, no, it no. doesn't be, <laughs> they just were a better team. They just were better prepared. Um, I, I remember getting, you know, I've had plenty of opportunities and scenarios where just the other person or team or whatever was just better prepared. And what it does is now I have the feedback on areas I need to improve. Yeah. And I think using sports and then business and same thing in teamwork, um, corporations competing for proposals and projects and all of those kinds of things. Uh, and sometimes you just, you, you, you lose opportunities or opportunities come to an end. I think of a corporate scenario with a friend of mine who owns multiple companies and they lost a contract yeah. uh, that they'd had for a few years. Well, it isn't that they lost the contract. It's that the contract price that was agreed upon three years ago has now been changed and they're looking for a lower bid for no, for no fault of his, their budget got cut. Yeah. He can't meet that lower price. So there's another vendor who will do it at that cheaper price. Did he lose it? No, he didn't really lose it. (laughs) But if he walks away from, sure, he doesn't like the fact that he lost the revenue, but did he really lose the revenue if his business couldn't take the margin cut? It just changed. I don't know that he lost that. Yeah, it's just, it's an evolution. There's other companies to to work with. So um, it's, again, it's just this evolutionary and this continual, um, uh, it's just continuation of life, you know, I think one of the best things we can do is, is just understand the continuity of life and continuity of situations. And it's just, just never fatal and final in most cases. And if we can accept that it can look at COVID, (laughs) look at COVID, for example, right? COVID comes along in 2020, uh, 2020, and it, it made a lot of situations for business really uncertain in a short period of time. Nobody saw it coming, et cetera. And the question then becomes, and there are businesses that of course went under for, for various reasons, but I would say it wasn't because of COVID now. And that alarms people when I say it, 
But if your business went under just because COVID happened and you were forced to shut down for a couple of months or whatever the case was, it may indicate that there were some other issues with the business that were just a little fragile. Yeah. Um, but that's for another conversation. The point of it is, is it was a temporary situation that we've all now learned to adapt from. One of my clients lost 96% of their revenue when COVID hit. And that could, it could have been an easy door for them to say, ah, well, we'll just pack it in and find something else to do. No, we have a mission. We've been here for 28 years. We are going to have to figure it out. Yeah. They have now recovered their revenue and it wasn't easy. But the question is, is, okay, the facts are the facts, yeah. <laughs> right? What are we going to do with the and, facts and look now? at it and make the right decisions, right? Right. And it took a lot of work and it took, you know, a lot of my teams, you know, we, we, we partnered with them and it was a lot. I mean, it was a lot. Don't get me wrong, but it came yeah. back to what are the facts? I didn't create the facts. The facts are the facts. Yeah. Now, what am I going to do with the facts? Okay. Th th we're not going out of business. Okay. What does it, what does that mean? Okay. We got to come up with does a plan. Okay. Like, so if we yeah. used to do, if we used to do things live and face-to-face a hundred percent for the last 28 years, we didn't even have a mechanism for doing it online. I'm speaking in the voice, in the words of, of their CEO. We never yeah. even had an option to do it virtual. In fact, they had a 70 acre ranch, which was a retreat property that they would bring all their clients to for the way that they did their lead. It was a leadership growth coaching company with company with clients like Costco and Whole Foods. I mean, they get big companies. Yeah. Oh, nobody can come to retreat. Nobody can fly. How in the world are we going to start doing our program? And so, of course, we had to help them transition it online. Fortunately, they already had the content. We just had to get the new mechanism put together. Yeah. And so it wasn't like it wasn't like their training was invalid. No. It was just the delivery mechanism yeah. was interrupted and it constantly it quickly. <laughs> the yeah. yeah. To you. No. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. So pivot. Pivoting is the yeah. art. I think leadership is the art of being able to pivot. And that's um uh, you know, a lot of the method is just that it's just, it's simple really. Yeah. Um, but it starts at the beginning. Like, what are you going to do with the facts now? And how are you going to interpret those facts? Are you taking it personally? Do you think the world's against you? Do you think the government's against you? Do you think whatever, uh, you gotta be careful with your self dialogue and then you can make new decisions. Yeah. So you had quite a learning, um, over the many, many years. So if you have to look like 10 years back, what would, what kind of advice would you, would you give yourself? Yeah, 10 years ago, it's a great question. Hmm. 10 years ago, uh, I was at a point of pivot in my life, uh, roughly. I left one industry and started a new company. Yeah. Um, so if I were to go back 10 years ago, I would have scaled my current company faster. Um, I made a mistake at the beginning where I, uh, you know, when you're really good at something, uh, and I believe every person has superpowers, right? Every one of us has some superpower that we feel like we're the best in the world at, right? Yeah. And sometimes when you when you have that situation, you can get in the way of growth by not um, leveraging the talent and skills of other people. And I'm a big believer in team building and all of these things. But I, if I gave myself one piece of advice uh, related to business, it would be, you know, I would have brought on... Uh, better talent sooner in my current uh, agency consulting environment, thinking that I knew everything about this stuff. Well, I could have brought on other people quicker and that would have been kind of neat. Yeah. Um, on the personal side, I, I was really at a, I don't know, I, on the personal side, I can't think of anything. I've just been a, I've been a person who believes in daily 
personal growth. Uh, I believe in the can I principle. Um, and so I'm always uh, trying to, if I can inch myself a little bit better every single day, but on the business side, that would probably be it. Scale, get out of the way, bring on talent to people. This world is a global world. There's people around here that can help you solve any problem on the planet. Yeah. Um, and so that's a lesson for my own 10 year journey. That's, so a, good, last that's 10 a good, years. good learning. So thank you so much for, for being on the podcast today. I think it was great talking about, you know, the, the, the learnings and you just mentioned some there and also just putting the word and saying perspective. I think that's just, you know, taken, go a little bit further out and take that perspective look at it. So, so thank you so much. Thank you, Santa, for having me. It's uh, been a pleasurable conversation and look forward to continue collaboration, collaboration with you. Thank you. If you enjoy this podcast, maybe you'd like to hear more, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure also to check out our website, mindtheinnovation.com. And remember, stay curious and keep learning.